Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Blake Street Irregulars podcast, your local Colorado Rockies podcast. My name is Sean Drotar. You can follow me on Twitter if you'd like at S Drotar. That's S-D-R-O-T-A-R. And as he is every week, riding with me here is a, is a man who also works at Mile High Sports Radio, makes everything work, pushes all the buttons. But you find him also in the Rockies clubhouse every home game. This is the guy that's on the inside here, Ronnie Court. Follow him at Ronnie K Radio on Twitter. Ronnie, how are you doing? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, well, always. I mean, this is why we do this. Always fun to come on the podcast. It's good every week to have a chance to talk to you and and a chance to thank our sponsors here at Tap 14 who make this podcast go. Tap 14 and 1920 Blake Street is just outside of Coors Field. So if you're going to the Rockies game, if you're coming from the Rockies game, if you don't want to fight that traffic, go on up to Tap 14. They have a a beautiful rooftop bar at the top of Haters & Co. 70 Colorado beers on tap, 100 Colorado spirits. They're always rotating. There's always something new, including the menu by uh, Taylor Creedon, the chef there, who does a terrific job of, of rotating different dishes in and out right now. I could not even possibly recommend anything more than the pastrami sandwich on pretzel Ooh, bread it's fantastic on pretzel bread yes that sounds fantastic you should go down there and have it it's amazing but this uh, that's our our sponsors here at tap 14 it's a terrific place we're there all the time recorded the last podcast if you're still catching up live there at tap 14 we do that a couple times a month too on rocky's day games so when they come around well it'll actually be next week as we record this uh, come on down and and say hi we'll be there but ronnie as we talk uh, about the rockies now they they've just wrapped up their series with Cleveland in Cleveland they are going to head to Miami to take on the Marlins now they have an opportunity to maybe get a little bit of ground placed between them and the Diamondbacks they bounce back in with a terrific 12 inning win Uh, Charlie Blackman with the big shot there after the Rockies catch up late but much of the talk prior to that was the Rockies loss in the first game of that series as Greg Holland blew his second consecutive save now I I look at that and I, I I don't want to uh, overstate it, but here's what I take a look at. Holland still is right near the league leaders in saves. He's blown a total of, you know. Three total. Three. So far. So I understand. It's two in a row. Yes. Two in a row, and, and people worry. Now, we also know he's coming off Tommy John surgery. Mm-hmm. He had the uh, the incident where he had an accident with the kitchen, kitchen knife. Incident, yep. And cut his hand, and fortunately that didn't keep him out very long. But it, it was obviously one of those things that can be problematic. To, to me, on, on the radio show that I do at Mile High Sports, milehighsports.com or 1340 AM, 104.7 FM, if you're in the Denver area, I looked at it and I basically said, no big deal. Because I look at the, the larger picture and I said, this is not a big deal. This is a guy that also tends to go, he's an aggressive pitcher, but he tends to go deep into counts. And I think every once in a while you run that risk. And against a very good team, the defending AL champs, in their home park, mm. something like this is going to happen. But are, are you concerned about Greg Holland after seeing this? Is it a blip? Because the truth is, yeah, you look at the overall and you say, oh, it's no big deal. It's just two saves. Happened to be happened to be in a row that he blew him. Or do you go, wait a minute, this last two times out there, he's gotten torched. It happens. It happens. And I know everybody wants to talk to Twitter, take to Twitter and go hot takes and, oh, he needs to be replaced and this and that and Nishak. Look, uh, blown saves happen. It is a part of the 162 MLB season. And the fact of the matter that he's only blown three is still magnificent, especially coming off the fact that he had Tommy John surgery. Oh, and he pitches half his games in Coors Field. Absolutely, yeah. And so uh, certainly there was uh, a little bit of a cause for concern with the kitchen incident. He did come out after the kitchen incident and recorded a save as well. Uh, This is a situation that I, I am not worried about 
in the slightest bit. He's not walking batters to any more uh, irregularly than he used to. Velocity is not down. There's no velocity or command loss that we look like uh, it happens. Look, he he got to one strike away from actually saving that Indians game. He makes one, and this is what Bud Black always talks about in the clubhouse, is making that one pitch. And I know everybody talks about, you know, well, there's so many pitches in a game, and how could one pitch? Well, that's that's a part of it. You know, you make that one pitch to set up the 0-1 count that uh, allows you to be ahead of the batter. And then uh, you get into a 1-2 a count where you need to make that one pitch to win the game. And unfortunately, Holland just couldn't do it. It was some excellent batting, I will say, also by the Indians who fought off a lot of pitches. I mean, they forced Greg Holland to throw, I, I think, near 30-plus pitches yeah, in that. Yeah. Uh, Most of the season in any outing. Yeah, and so it was certainly a, a good effort by the Indians. You know, not every single negative that happens to the Rockies means that the Rockies are falling falling apart. They do play good competition. You know, right. there is another team this on the is, other this side. This is the defending AL champion. This is, the Rockies are on the road, and on top of that, uh, look, this is the one of the old sports truisms. You'll hear it if you ever listen to Sports Talk Radio at any point. Uh, the other guys get paid, too. Yes. You know, they're, for a reason, uh, Cleveland is filled with a lot of really good players. God forbid the other team, you're actually a pretty darn good team. Yeah, every yes. once in a while, this is just going to happen. Exactly. So I, I'm with you. I don't get stressed at it. As we record this, Colorado 65 and 49 still atop the wild card races. We've talked before. The, the challenge, I think, for the Rockies is this perception that anything means that the wheels are falling off the wagon. Remember, Remember, folks, it looks worse because the Dodgers are having a historic season. They are going to challenge the Mariners for the best regular season record in terms of wins of all time. The Rockies are only two behind the Washington Nationals for the the second best record in the entire National League. It just simply looks worse than it is because... Uh, the fact that they're trailing the Dodgers, and you don't think of a, a team that's in second place as a team that is necessarily one of the better teams in the league. But in this case, they are. I, I looked at this when Holland blew that save. That meant the Rockies suffered their fourth loss when they had been leading it after six innings or later. Sure. That made them 58-4. and four. Relax. But Black himself said that in, in Greg Holland's case, he's like, that's the last guy I'm worried about getting rattled. He's mentally tough. It's not a big deal. He has a short memory as a closer. Everything's going to be fine. And then he takes the day off, and the Rockies get the win anyway in Cleveland as, as Charlie Blackman strikes late. Carlos Estevez, the life of a middle reliever, Ronnie, always cracks me up. Carlos Estevez is now 5-0. and because when you're a middle reliever, wins and losses are essentially random. There, yes. I mean, it's it's blind luck. Yes. You're, the team goes ahead. It's not a good stat to lean on. Right. He's, because he's 5-0 and with a 7.32 ERA. <laughs> only, only a middle reliever That's can baseball. get away with That's something like that. That's what Bud like Black that. says. Yes. And uh, Tyler Chatwood, relegated now to the bullpen, and, and as a, again, kind of a guy that's in middle relief, but in that 12-inning game, comes in late and gets his second major league save. So uh, for the Rockies, I think that's more or less all good news. The, the, the loss in Cleveland, I look at it and I say, all right, that would have been a great opportunity to make a, a statement win. Yes. But the loss against, oh, by the way, Corey Kluber, you might remember his name engraved on an A.L. Cy Young. Yes, he's a pretty darn good pitcher. They weren't expected to win that game. They weren't. 
And they almost did. And I think if you're the Rockies, you look at it and say, okay, was it a missed opportunity? Yes. Is it something you go, oh, no, what a terrible loss? No. Well, you would have stolen one if you won it. And you're also talking about a situation in the game. I know everybody looks at the box score and they say, oh, well, you know, 4-1 uh, to one we lost because Holland blew the save and gave up all the runs in the night. Oh, yeah. By the way, the Rockies didn't hit at all. 11 strikeouts for the Rockies on the day. No walks. And let's also note that they led off the game with two hits. Of course, the Charlie Blackman homer as well as the DJ LeMahieu single. And After that, one, one base hit, one, one base hit runner. for the rest of the game. Because no walks either. That this, is, and this is something you and I have harped on earlier in the season. Because yeah, the Rockies had one base runner. After that, because they don't they don't draw walks, they don't go deep into counts. When you when you look at that loss and look at the pitch count of those guys in the multiple at bats, oh my goodness. I mean, they, they weren't even making Kluber work. Now, yeah. granted, I, I understand he's, he's an outstanding pitcher, and I will give him all the credit, but the Rockies, well, the one problem that I, that I see that still looms over Horizon, it's the, it's the one thing where you look up the mountain and, and you see the snow vibrating a little bit before the avalanche, you're like, well, I hope that doesn't happen, is the Rockies still, despite having really good batting averages, especially atop the order, they still are not a selective team at the plate. And that means you are prone to having days like that where a good pitcher can absolutely shut you down. The Rockies, who are going for a wild card spot, will, if they do make it, have a one-game situation for the wild card. And that'll be it. That's the concern, I think, going forward is, is the Rockies have to find a way to, to get a little discipline. But this late in the season... Can they, or is this just who they are? Well, and this is what the the Bud Black has been preaching all year long: is productive outs. Because you look at the how how many pitches the actual batters faced back in Game One against Kluber, and I know it's Corey Kluber, but again, it's it's getting back to the point of being selective and fighting off pitches and making make him run that pitch count up because maybe then Kluber exits a little bit earlier than expected. I mean, a seven-inning start is is a solid start for a pitcher, but this Rockies offense is so potent that if they can just get out of that ace, uh, aces uh, per se uh, uh, flame-throwing uh, path, then maybe they can rough up the relievers or whatnot. Uh, Carlos Gonzalez faced seven pitches. Jonathan Lucroy faced eight pitches. Total. Total. Tapia, eight pitches. These are not productive outs. Well, look at Charlie Blackman, who who, uh, has led off the game with a home run, but in his multiple at-bats. Twelve pitches. Twelve. And so certainly that has been the focus of Bud Black for all year long, and I think it does kind of speak to possibly the idea that maybe this is just – the way the Rockies are uh, is that they are a a team that is going to be kind of this boom bust. We kind of saw it earlier in the year is that when that offense is on, they are on and they're one of the best offenses in the league. When they are off, five hits, six hits, maybe a run is what you're looking for. And that's uh, it, it, that will come with growth as, as they continue on because they do have some young uh, hitters in this lineup that are still kind of going through. Of course, the Rockies did not expect Carlos Gonzalez to be in the, uh, I'm not even going to say slump anymore because it's no. so much worse than that. Um, but certainly they did not expect the lack of production from him. But this is a team that is growing and, and can be very good when they have those uh, uh, productive outs and they run those pitch counts up. Game two is a perfect example. 12 hits. You saw one, two, three, four, five, six, seven batters face 20 plus pitches against the Cleveland Indians pitching. That leads to hits. And that leads to hits. That puts base runners on. And again, this is a team where they have so much power. And we see it particularly in the bottom half of the order. 
with uh, a Jonathan Lucroy or uh, the pitcher spot DH now in this situation with Tapia. If you can just get on, Charlie Blackman is such a dynamic and different leadoff hitter for this team that not many other teams have where he has home run power. And you can make damage happen with two outs. So that should be the key for the Rockies moving forward batting-wise. Yeah, when you look at that game, too, they, they did get the win. It was a big win. But again, 14 strikeouts to two walks. That That is eventually, it feels like that's eventually going to bite them. But yeah. uh, the, the truth is, I, I agree with you. I think at this point, they are who they are. Any sort of improvement is going to have to be incremental and probably in the offseason. And, and let's face it, it's worked so far. Uh, they're one of the best have one of the best records in baseball so I think you you live with it but you understand as a Rockies fan and I think that's why some fans feel that that's one of the risks because the boomer bust nature of the team has been challenging for example in in this game we've talked about Gonzalez in this last win against Cleveland Alexei Amarista hit his third home run of the year to get an idea how bad it is for Carlos Gonzalez ignore the batting average ignore all that Carlos Gonzalez is slugging 341 Mm. Alexei Amarista is slugging 380 yeah. this year. And this is not a guy that has a tremendous amount of power. After hitting that home run, that was the 21st of his career. That's often half a season for Carlos Gonzalez. So I, I guess I'll go to that. And I don't really want to pile on cargo. We know there's a problem. But uh, Amarista played left field in that game. That was different because you could have an extra batter in the lineup because of the, the, the AL Park. You could hit the DH. But the trade deadline is gone. Gonzalez just simply has not gotten better. Uh, Tapia is up. Uh, When Ian Desmond comes back from his injury, and that's going to take longer than the the Rockies had hoped, and they don't actually even know when he'll be back, or when David Dahl does, are they at a point where you have to take Carlos Gonzalez out of the lineup now? It it is such a difficult situation right now because, I mean, a lot of people will talk about uh, Carlos Gonzalez being moved to a pinch hitter situation. Well, Pat Vileka is one of the best pinch hitters in the MLB, I, I don't know how you take Pat Vileka out of that situation. Carlos Gonzalez is still a, a quality defender. Very, uh, he's, a, he's an excellent defender. Yeah, yeah and, and still a guy who is very good in the clubhouse. It's just the hitting is just not there. And and sometimes we see it come in spurts. We did see Carlos Gonzalez have an 11-game hitting streak uh, a couple days ago that was just broken. So certainly it feels like there's at least a slight turn back to somewhat of a mediocrity as far as hitting goes. It, it is not where you want Carlos to be and, and certainly is a problem that the Rockies will have to face. It, it, it's going to be a jumble, and and this is going to be an interesting last month, two months as they head towards a wild card because we're going to see jumbles not only in the batting lineup but also in the pitching as well too. I mean, there's really nothing that is set in stone right now because the Rockies are dealing with injuries so much and guys who are uh, in funks. But, I, I mean, to say that Carlos Gonzalez is in a slump, I think it's is just way past this point now. We're three quarters through the season. There's 50 games left in the season. Right. This is just a bad year. That's not to say he can't turn it around possibly for next year or maybe for the top half. Let's remember, uh, everybody, everybody was crushing Gerardo Parra last year. 
for the amount of money that he was making and the lack of productivity. He was striking out so much. He was hurt. I, all this different stuff. And all of a sudden, Gerardo Aparo is like this this hero this year now. He's hitting 351 and he has an on-base percentage higher than yeah, pretty darn good. Than Nolan Arenado and, and only a, just a handful of points behind even Charlie Blackman. So uh, they can bounce back. And that's uh, that leads to actually to where I would like to go. There's a couple things. The versatility. Parra has played a little bit of first, a little bit of left. Y- you have guys on this team that can play in different spots. Valeka can play in, in a pinch. We've seen Amarista play in a bunch of different spots. We know that when Ian Desmond comes back, he, he can play in the outfield. He can play first base. They have a lot of flexibility. And I, and I think let's go back to Desmond. Feels like Gerardo Parra all over again, just for a lot more money. And, mm-hmm. and a guy that they signed just hasn't been able to be healthy. That the season has been something of a wash. Do you? What's your gut feeling on that sign? Did they make a mistake, or does Parra's success this year basically make you think it's too early to tell? I, I don't think it was a mistake. I think it was a incorrect usage of money towards an asset they didn't need. Uh, because I, uh, the Rockies were so deep in so many positions batting-wise. It's, it's always been pitching. Pitching is always what we talked about being the big problem. Now they certainly shored up the pitching, but... As we saw midway through and proof in evidence with the accusation of Pat Neshek is they could have used a little bit more as well, too. The Rockies are so deep in defense and, and batting. And so um, I don't think it was a mistake because we did see a little bit of that value from Desmond's versatility when he came back at, at, towards the end of May. And certainly we will see that moving towards the future. Uh, he's also a good leadership guy. He's a good clubhouse guy. I mean, there's multiple times where uh, when I was talking to uh, new pitcher Zach Roscup. Uh, who who was just traded from the Cubs. This was back about a month or two months ago. Uh, he is not afraid to be the first guy up to welcome guys to the clubhouse, show them around these different things. And and these little things matter. And 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 uh, it's also, you know, a small little feather in the cap for the Rockies uh, when the uh, evident situation comes where they do have to go talk to a Nolan Arenado and say, hey, look, we are signing a Ian Desmond. We are getting a Bud Black. We are signing a Pat Niche or trading for a Pat Neshack and uh, Jonathan Lucroy. You know, we want to signing build a, Greg, a Holland. Win- yeah. Greg Holland. We want to build a winner here, you know, and we want you to be the centerpiece. So uh, I, I don't think it was, I think mistake is the incorrect word to use, but there is a thought that that could have been used for a different position, possibly being a little bit more of a, um, a hole fixer. Uh, as opposed to Ian Desmond, which just seems like you're just bolstering your biggest strength of the team. Well, let's project a little bit. We'll talk about this upcoming Miami series this weekend because then when Atlanta comes to town here in Denver, we'll be able to talk about that as well. But this weekend at Miami, uh, John Gray, uh, Jeff Hoffman, Trevor Hoffman. Wow. He was quite the reliever. Yeah, he really was. (laughs) I need need coffee. Holy moly. Here, you want some of mine? Goodness gracious. (laughs) Uh, Herman Marquez goes uh, is the the fin- uh, finale of that series uh, on Sunday. Uh, the, the The challenge seems to be that Friday game. Uh, Jose Urena is ten and five on a Marlins team that is is not really all that good. But this seems like one of those series the Rockies need to find a way again to take two of three. Sweeps are hard in baseball. I don't ever think you need it's fair to a team to say, well, you have to sweep this because it, it's very difficult. I don't care who you're playing; you can be playing the worst team in the league. It's very hard to sweep teams. But they have the three against Miami, and then they come home for four against Atlanta and three against Milwaukee. Milwaukee, another team like Colorado, like Arizona, that I think has surprised a lot of people and appears to be on an upward trajectory. But these next three series feel like the Rockies should win all three of these series, should win 
uh, the two out of three against Miami, two out of three against Milwaukee at home, and, and then at least get two, preferably three at home in a four-game set against Atlanta. Is that how we're going to kind of measure their success? Is that where you realize that things are falling apart? Because that takes us really into the, the last 10 days of August, and it would be hard to believe that the Diamondbacks, whose schedule, quite frankly, stacks up to be a lot harder down the stretch, would be able to gain on them. Well, let's let's take the Dodgers out of this because let, let, they're, let's on, a, they're, they're on a different. They're planet. on a whole other planet. They are way ahead. Let's consider the NL West over uh, because it's been over for a couple months. Right. This these next couple series, and I'm actually going to stretch it out to next five series, is kind of the launching pad towards the end of the year because after these next six series, which uh, Rockies will face Miami, Atlanta, Milwaukee, KC, Atlanta, Detroit. Then it's basically the NL West for the entirety of the season. So it is really crucial right now that this is a situation where, you know, the last time the Rockies went into an NL West chunk, remember they played, I believe, uh, uh, some uh, upwards of like five straight series against NL West teams in June and July. They went in basically tied with the Diamondbacks and came out after that series Uh, three, four games back. And so certainly it's one of those situations where you don't want to be in that position again because this is we're coming down to the nitty gritty now, and and this is towards the end of the year where, uh, at you know when it comes to jockeying for position, this one card wild card it needs to be in Colorado. It absolutely needs to be in Colorado. Colorado needs it in Colorado more than the uh, Arizona needs it in Arizona or any other team. So this is your launch pad, and taking care of business is what good teams do. So uh, against a team like Atlanta or. Uh, even KC, a team that's skirting around 500, Milwaukee, these are teams that you can beat. And these are teams that, uh, you know, you're not, you're getting very favorable pitching matchups against Miami this upcoming series to now reel it in and focus it in. These are these are wins you should be collecting. I mean, Herman Marquez on the back end of that series has looked fabulous. Absolutely fabulous the last couple of pitching games. Uh, Jeff Hoffman has been br- bringing a lot of consistency, but more so to focus in on the, uh, the next game. John Gray, I really want to see him come back to old John Gray form. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point because th- this guy is uh, your ace. Now, I, I don't mean to, to besmirch his reputation, if you will, but he, he's the ace because he's their best most promising pitcher not because yes not because he's established himself throughout the league not because other teams are necessarily afraid of him well and he showed flashes last year that that he had that kind of stuff but the truth of the matter is if you were to look at the team today and say who's your ace well it's kyle freeland the the, the rookie is is the best this year has been the best pitcher on the team the most consistent as well too it's all that close and right behind him might be herman marquez who who has really been able to adjust and adapt we talked about it with young pitchers you know, you can beat them if you have if you have major league stuff. You can beat other teams who haven't played against you and seen you early. Then they adjust. And, and all these rookies, with the exception of Freeland, who did have a couple bumps, but they were brief, have had spots where they there was a couple weeks where they were really having a rough time. The Rockies at the end of June had a really ugly time. Their pitchers were having a tough time. Some of these guys have adjusted. Freeland has been able to adjust back and looks like he's for real. Marquez looks like he's been that kind of guy mm-hmm. too, as he has been outstanding of late. Antonio Senzatella back in the rotation uh, as well, getting uh, a couple innings in there. He seems to me like a guy that may be hitting a bit of a wall, but the Rockies have an opportunity to get a little bit better, and we'll talk about him more next week. But remember that Chad Bettis, one of the, the probably the best feel-good story in Colorado sports, 
uh, recovering from cancer, is set to join the rotation on Monday. So it, it is a fascinating situation for the Colorado Rockies. We'll see how they handle this with the Marlins, and then we'll come back and we'll talk to you next week about it as the Rockies then embark on a homestand of significance, as you said, because in September they're going to play a lot of NL West opponents, including those Diamondbacks. You don't want to have an opportunity where the Diamondbacks can then beat you in a series. Maybe there's a bad luck and they sweep you, and all of a sudden they put distance between you. This is the chance for the Rockies to put the pedal to the metal, get themselves some space, and then get ready for that September run. 23 in a row, to be exact. Starting on September 1st, that runs basically the entire month of September. I guess on the bright side, everyone's going to lose to the Dodgers. So sure. There's there's that. But we'll, we'll cover <laughs> that. We'll look at that next week. We'll look at uh, Chad Bettis's return to the rotation, what that does for the Rockies next week. But in the meantime, we will watch that Marlins series and, and see if the Rockies can keep it going after getting a nice little bump and a nice way to finish in Cleveland. And, and after a, a week where they get two days of rest, hopefully the Rockies can get it done in that, well, hideous horrible green eyesore of a park that nobody goes to oh, it's so bad in miami it's so, so bad <laughs> well i want to thank our sponsors at tap 14 you can find them at tap 14.com spell it out tap 14.com and go visit them uh, next week when the rockies come back to town or hey they're open when the rockies don't play you can go down there any old time lodo is fun every month of this of the year so go visit them colorado's got those 300 days of sunshine a year and there's no better place to spend them there than a tap 14 there's 70 colorado beers 100 colorado distilled spirits a terrific menu everything up there colorado locally sourced locally made if you're a colorado fan if you're a colorado native or if you're just passing through tap 14 is the place to go so give them a look uh, when you're in town when you're in lodo and enjoy ronnie thank you for joining us as always make sure you follow him thank you sean at, yeah at ronnie k radio on on twitter he, he's working very hard to be verified on twitter get that blue check yes mark. so uh so help him out i don't have one either but I, ha- I have a little bit of beef with Twitter. I need to figure out bit why beef, I'm not verified A little bit of beef. I, I, got, yes. I got mine rejected because they figured no one would confuse me for other Drotars, and I didn't have a very good comeback. <laughs> but my uh, my radio partners on, on Mile High Sports Radio, 7 to 9 weekdays uh, with Nate Lundy and TJ Carpenter, they're both verified, and they're, uh, they're lording it over well, my they're head. they're big deals now. Right, yes. right. we got to get you verified. We'll uh, work on that. We'll uh, work on that. Uh, whatever. <laughs> I'm past that. <laughs> eventually, <laughs> eventually it'll happen. Who knows? But the uh, but make sure you follow him, Ronnie K Radio. You can follow me on Twitter at Drotar. That's S D R O T A R, as Twitter pointed out. So you can differentiate me from all those other Drotars. You undoubtedly the many others follow. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think there's one that like rally races in Eastern Europe. Oh, so, uh, very know, good. I guess check him out as well. Good, good luck to him this weekend. But the uh, we'll be back next week as we talk Rockies again with you. We've already put uh, this is number 21 blackjack for us already. So we'll come back next week and get you the next one. Hopefully we'll be talking about the Rockies still remaining in top wildcard spot with a terrifically important homestand coming up. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Ronnie for being there. Thank you for being here. My name's Sean Drotar. This is the Blake Street Irregulars, a 5280 Sports Network production.